You know, one thing I, I, I always think about in my, in my Christian walk is, you know, am I praying enough? Have you ever felt that way? Like, you know, there's this, sometimes there's this guilt attached with prayer. Like, man, should I be up at 3.30 in the morning and, you know, praying for two hours before I start my day? And, you know, we, we know the importance of prayer, but I think sometimes we attach a lot of guilt to prayer. Like, I, am I praying enough or am I doing it the right way or how do I pray or how do I approach God in prayer? And, and listen, all of us, we have struggles in our lives and we go through things that we just don't understand. And, and the one thing that we can see in scripture is that Jesus wanted us to pray. He, he wants us to come to him and to, and to open up our hearts. And I, and I just, can I just be honest with you this morning? I want you to know that God hears you. Amen? Amen. God, God does hear us when we come to him. And in fact, the disciples asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, can, can you show us or teach us how to pray? I, I, think, I think we make it a lot more complex than it really is. I, I think we make it a lot harder than it really is. I want you to look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. I want you to look at the screens here. Here's what Jesus says about prayer as he teaches his uh, disciples how to pray. Hello, Matthew chapter 6. There we go. Wake up back there. Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 6. Here's what Jesus says. He says, when you pray, don't be like who? The hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners or in the synagogues where everyone can see them. He says, I tell you the truth, that it's, it's all the reward they will ever get. But he says, but when you pray, so he's shown his disciples, those of you that are followers of me, this is how you pray. It's not how eloquent your words are or, or, or showcasing it or saying, look how wonderful I am in the way I pray. He goes, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. And when your father who sees everything will reward you, he goes, and when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. He says, don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Isn't that amazing? God knows what you need before you ask him. So here's the question before I, before we go into the, 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 this, our father prayer of, of how, what Jesus teaches us. The reason, then we may think, well, well, then pastor, why do I pray if God already knows? Hold on to that thought. I'll get to it in just a moment. Because I want you to understand there's something very important there about God knowing your heart and how God wants you to approach him with, with your whole life. And so he says, when you pray, pray like this. Our father in heaven. Notice how he uses the word father there. Who knows everything. God is a perfect father who knows your needs, who knows your heart, who knows everything about you. It's a personal characteristic characteristic of who God is. And some of you here today, maybe you didn't have a, a great earthly father. But that's not our heavenly father. 
Our heavenly father says, I want you to call me dad. I want you to run in my arms. I want you to know that I know everything about you and I care about you. That's the type of father. That's the type of relationship that Jesus had with his heavenly father. And you can have that same relationship. God says, you know what? Your picture is on my refrigerator. And I think about you every day. It's a heavenly father that says, I'm proud of you. I know you messed up. I know you make mistakes in your life. But I love you. And I'm proud of you. I want to have a relationship with you. Listen to the way Jesus explains this. He says, our father in heaven. And I like, I like how the NLT version just makes it really simple here. I love this, the way this version does it. The New Living Translation. It says, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. How would it be your name? May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your, your father will not forgive your sins. Do you see the heart of that? It's all about relationship. It's all about having a relationship with God. See, we know we ought to pray. And when we don't, we struggle with guilt. So the question I want to pose you this morning is, is how can we overcome the guilt of the lack of prayer and begin to pray with freedom and desire. So let's understand what prayer is and how it can be a vital part of your lives. And so what we've been doing is we're finishing up our study in the book of James. And I love the way James ends his letter. James is the brother of Jesus. He's the leader of the Jerusalem church. He's, he's writing this letter as we see in the new Testament. He's writing this letter to those that have been scattered, Christians who have been scattered throughout the Roman empire And he writes to those that are going under pressure. He writes to those who are struggling with their culture around them. He writes to to those who um, maybe are lacking in their faith and they're feeling weak in their faith. He's writing with those that maybe are struggling with how to walk an authentic walk before Jesus Christ. Now, none of us, the things I just said, none of us struggle with any of those things, do we? Of course we do. This letter is so practical for, for how we're living our lives today and the things that we struggle with in our lives each and every day. And so it's such a practical letter on what authentic Christianity looks like. So James answers the question on how to live for Christ under the pressures of life. And so James gives us just examples of what genuine faith looks like. And, and if we say we have a faith in Christ, then it will be seen in the way we live it out and the way we live it out with each other. And so James really... What he does here is he ends his letter on such an encouraging note. And he gives us the ultimate answer for dealing with life's problems. Wouldn't you like just just the answer for how to deal with life's problems? Can I just tell you this? Life is full of problems. Isn't it? How many of you are just, you got some problems right now you're dealing with. And you're like, man, Lord, I need, I, I don't know if I can take another day of this. I don't know if... 
if I can, you know, just handle this. James right here gives us the answer to life's problems. Now, I wish I could put, you know, just give you this one word answer and say, here you go. And you're never going to struggle again. But how many know we're going to struggle the rest of our lives? We're going to struggle with things we don't understand, with things that pop up that we don't understand. But James says, listen, I'm going to give you the answer on how you can make it through this world without allowing your circumstances to overwhelm you and give you a different perspective in your life to help you traverse through this world and give you an anchor that can keep your life secure in Christ Jesus and not allow the waves of this world to submerge you. And so life's problems, they can be physical, emotional, it can be stressful, you know, and it can weaken us, it can weaken us spiritually. You know, some of you grandparents, you know, you're thinking about your kids right now, where they are. You're thinking about your grandkids. Some of you that are in high school, you're thinking, man, I, it's a tough year. It's my junior, senior year. I got to figure out where I'm going to go to college. Some of you that are single, it's like, God, are you ever going to bring someone my way? I want to get married. You know, and some of you, you're just, you're in your jobs and you're not happy. Some of you are struggling in your marriages today. See, our help for discouragement is prayer. Our help for anxiety is prayer. Our help for heart that has grown cold is prayer. And so here's what James does. Here's what James, here's what he speaks in his letter. He says, listen, are any of you suffering hardships? I'll raise my hand to that one. Question mark. Any of you, he says, what should you do? Worry about it. That's what James tells us to do. Worry about it. Fret about it. You know, get stressed out. Or what does James tell us to do? He says, what? He says to pray. James says, pray about it. He says, are any of you happy? Then he says, you know what? You should sing praises. If you're happy today, man, you say, I'm going through these trials, but I'm happy. You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? He says, you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sin, sins, you will be forgiven. Prayer, 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 prayer. He says, confess your sins to each other and do what? Pray for each other so that you may be healed. An earnest prayer of a righteous person has great what? Power. And produces wonderful results. Prayer is the answer. We used to have bumper stickers that said prayer is the answer. I used to, we need to start doing that again. And put those bumper stickers on our car. And remind ourselves that prayer is the answer. He says, listen. And I love how James, he always uses, you know, as he writes his letter, always uses some Old, Old Testament example of, of someone that that followed this example. And he says, remember Elijah, who was, was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the skies opened and the rains and the earth began to yield its crops. See, I want you to notice the different types of prayer that James addresses. You don't have to be in church to pray 
You can be driving your car. You can be at home and you can call out to the Lord in prayer, whatever you're going through. He says you can pray individually. You can pray uh, and ask for the leadership of the church to pray for you. You can uh, pray for each other as, as a church. So here's the question I, I think we, we, we struggle with. What's the, what's the correct way to approach prayer? Is prayer just for the varsity team? Is prayer just for the elite Christians that really know how to do it? And then some of us just sit back and say, you know, I don't know. Every time I pray, things just get worse. You know, when I pray over people, they just seem to get sicker. You know, <laughs> have you ever felt that way sometimes? I'm just being honest with you sometimes. I'm like, man, do I want to pray over this person? I'm afraid they're going to get sicker, right? And they're going to say, Pastor, that's okay. You don't have to pray for me, right? <laughs> you know, here comes Pastor. Please don't pray, right? I think sometimes we feel that way that there's so much that's, Depend on me. Listen, God is in control. God is in control. It's not me. It's the Lord. And so what's the correct way to uh, approach prayer? Well, prayer, the purpose of prayer is for us to draw near to God. That's the purpose of it. It's for us. God, listen, does he know everything that's in your heart? Yes. Even Jesus says he knows your request before you even ask it. So what's the purpose? The purpose for it is for us to draw near to God and to find his comfort and his care and to know that he is near. Listen, for those of you that are relationship, maybe in a marriage relationship, you're close to each other when you talk to each other. Right? Jeez, that, should I write a book? Yeah, I should write a book on that. When you have a relationship with somebody and you have a shared experience with them, how is that experience shared when you're doing something with someone? You can't do that from far away. And this is what prayer is. Prayer is drawing us near to God. I love what the, the Psalm says here in Psalm, Psalm 145. It says, the Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes. To all who call on him in truth. The Lord is close to those. When you call on the Lord, he's close. You're drawing yourself close to him. I love, this is one of my favorite Psalms. I think it's Ruth Brooks's too. Psalms 91, I love this Psalm. Ruth, you love this Psalm, right? Yeah. All right, good, she does. Love this Psalm, Psalm 91. It says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety, he is my God, and I trust in him. Drawing close to the Lord. Prayer is more than coming to God and giving him our requests. We can do that, and we're instructed to give God our cares. But God wants us to draw near to him. And it's amazing, the closer we draw to the Lord, the more our problems seem to diminish. They might still be there, but it's all of a sudden I have a different perspective. I'm not as immersed in them because I need the presence of the Lord. And, and this is why the psalmist says, listen, hide in the shadow of the Almighty. Find rest there. And prayer does that. Prayer draws you into the shadow of the Almighty where you will find peace in times of trouble. You will find peace in the times that you're most anxious, it's when you draw close to the Lord in prayer. 
See, the heart of prayer is just communication with the Father. That's all Jesus is saying. It's just communication. Prayer is just communication. It's, it's not the words that you use. It, 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 I don't know if the King James Version got us messed up this way when we pray, but I don't remember. I remember when I was a kid hearing people pray. It was almost all of a sudden they shifted into this like King James language. And they would pray and they say, Oh God, Holy Father, if thouest of heaven, if. I'm like, what in the world? All of a sudden they'd switch. I'm like, is, is that the way I'm supposed to pray? Like with King James language and put at the end of everything, right? Listen, God knows your heart. I love it when, you know, you know when, when my kids were younger and they would want something, they'd say, Daddy, how are you doing? And they'd run and they'd hug me and they'd jump in my lap. And now when they call me, they say, Daddy. And I know they want money, right? Um, but, but they didn't come to me and say, Father, could thou giveth me the car keys? that I might go out and frolic with my friends, right? It's this, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so impersonal, right? Your kids know you. They're not going to talk that way to you. They're like, Hey dad, what's up? Hey daddy, what's up? Right? I mean, it, my daughter's 18. We we're walking in a Wegman yesterday and she grabs my hand and she goes, dad. And I'm like, oh, you're getting kind of old. I mean, people think this weird creepy guy's got this young girlfriend i'm not honey this is i don't know if this is gonna maybe when you're eight maybe and she goes oh come on dad right you know see see that that's that's the that's the closeness that god god wants with us that he's our father not this impersonal relationship and so prayer is commu- communication. It's this relationship that we have the father so so, so how do we draw near to god in pra- prayer what what grabs the attention of God. What is he like? What, 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 when you pray, it's like, God, I want to get your attention. What, what grabs the attention of God? It's not the person that's standing on the corner with this so-called eloquent prayer and say, look at me. That's not what grabs the attention of God. This is what grabs the attention of God. See, God is more concerned with your heart for prayer than anything else. He's more concerned with your heart. See, we can get caught up in what we say and forget that God cares more about the heart than the exact words you may use. And I remember there was this young man, married, early 30s, marital struggles, and I brought him to my office and we, got, we began to talk. He was, man, pastor, I don't have any kind of church up there. I'm just telling you. I don't know anything about church wasn't raised in church. I don't know a lot about God, but he goes, my life's a mess. And he goes, I need help. So I began to talk to him about Christ. And I said, man, that's a, I go, that's a good place to be in. He's like, really? I said, yeah, God loves when people are desperate and just understand that they're messed up and they need a savior. I go, that's a, that's a good starting place. So let, let me tell you, let me tell you about Jesus and, and what he wants for your life and how he came to take on all your sins and how he cares about you. And how he wants to be a good father. He goes, well, I, I don't have any dad. My dad never told me he loved me. Dad never really cared about me. He only yelled at me. I go, but that's not God the Father. And I said, Jesus came to give his life for you. And he goes, well, how do, okay, he goes, good. I, I, well, how do, how, do, 
how do I approach God? Because I'm so messed up. I'm so screwed up. I'm not religious. I, I don't go to church. I, how, do I, how do I approach God? How do, how do I do it? And I remember as we got talking, I asked him, I said, well, why don't you pray? And he goes, I don't know how to pray. And I said, what would you say to God if you wanted him to change you? In your own words, what would you say? He said, okay, I'll try it. So I said, all right, do it, man. Come on, right now. You come to God. And it, he, it went something like this. This is how he prayed. He said, God, I really messed my life up. I need your help. Please forgive me. I need you, Jesus, to turn my life around. I said, that was perfect. That's the heart of prayer. It's not what you say or how eloquent it is. God wants your heart. I remember hearing a story about an old Italian man who just wanted Jesus. He didn't, he didn't really know how to pray either. And he was at the front praying one time and he just said, just sock it to me, Jesus. That's all he said. Just sock it to me, Jesus. He just wanted God. Sock it to me, Jesus. That, that's a good one. I like that one too. See, what happened with this young man is after he prayed, he looked at me and he said, that was really cool. He says, I can't explain it, but I feel different. Here's the difference. You drew near to God with your heart and he heard you. That's the difference. Something happened and he changed. See, God hears your voice. I love what David says in Psalm 55. He says, but I will call on God and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my, dis- in my distress and the Lord hears my voice. I think some of the best prayers I've ever heard have come out of the mouths of children. I was a children's pastor for eight years. I used to love their prayers. I remember one little girl, she prayed for her doggy, and she goes, Pastor, you got to pray for my doggy. Um, he, 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 he just died, and I, I just don't feel good, and I want to pray for my doggy. I said, okay, we'll pray for your dog. So I went up to their parents later, and I go, oh, we prayed for your dog. I'm so sorry about you know, the passing of your dog. And, and they're like, what? And I go, yeah. She goes, well, our dog passed away a year ago. And I'm like, oh, okay. She pray- she's still praying for your dog. You need to get a doggy. Get a new doggy, okay? So I'm going to start praying that you get a new doggy, right? I love the simplicity and the heartfelt need of children when they pray. And when children pray, you know, I remember some, I go, I don't know if I'm supposed to know this, but they're praying about, my parents got in a fight last night, Pastor. I go, I don't know if I'm supposed to know this, but we'll pray for your parents, okay? And so what I want to look at is, is how do, what's, how does God want us to approach him? What, what is the way that he wants us to approach him? Well, here's what we learned from Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. He just says, you know what? Come as you are. Just come as you are. Come as you are. Jesus knows everything about us. He knows our faults. He knows our sin. He knows our past. And he still wants us to come to him. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't want the religious to come to him. The people who think they got it all together and got all the right language and know all the religious calisthenics. Mm -mm. 
Those aren't the people Jesus is looking for. He wants us to come just as we are, broken, messy, hurting. That's how he wants us to come. This is one of my favorite quotes. I love Tim Keller. Many of you know that I quote him all the time. I love Pastor Tim Keller, and he does such a good job in explaining the gospel. And I love this quote. He said, this is the good news. This is the gospel. This is the message that Jesus brought to us. And I want you to hold on to this. I love this. He says, the gospel is this. Here's how simple the message of Jesus is this. I'm going to just barebone it for you this morning. He says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we'd ever dared believe. How many know that's true? We're messed up. Yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we'd ever dared hoped. At the very same time, you've got this contradiction of, God, I'm flawed and I'm sinful and I could never approach a holy God. And then at the very same time, Jesus accepts us and by his grace, we're saved and we're more loved than we'd ever dared hope for. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son for us. At the same time, sinful and flawed and messed up, jacked up, all, the, all that messy block, block, block stuff, right? And then at the very same time, he says, listen, I love you and you're accepted in Jesus Christ more than you'd ever dared hope. I love that quote because that's, that's the gospel. David said in Psalm 39, oh Lord, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. Everything about me. You know, when I sit down, put that up there if you got the next slide there. Yeah, there we go. Listen, it says, oh Lord, you've examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know, when I sit down or when I stand up, you know my thoughts. Even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. God knows everything about your heart. And guess what? He still loves you. He still wants you to come to him and give him your life and give him all our shortcomings. That's the kind of God we serve. And so come as you are. The way we grab God's attention is we come as we are and then we come with humility. This is what grabs God's attention is when we come with humility. The Lord, Psalms 34 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. He comes to those who humble themselves. Listen, God is not looking for us to come to him, you know, demanding or with an entitled spirit, but with a spirit that says, I don't deserve a thing, yet your grace and mercy, you will meet my need through those things. What Jesus does is he, he tells a story about what really pleases God. Who are the people that really pleases God. And when he would tell this story, when he told this story, people listening, their ears would have opened up because they would probably, they're probably thinking, Jesus, how, how dare you say this? What Jesus says, he, he, he juxtaposes two people. One who seems to be very religious and follows all of God's laws. And one who seems to be a sinner, who seems to be a puppet of the Roman Empire, a tax collector, pretty much hated by the Jewish people. And he juxtaposes these two people. 
And he shows their heart and how they approach God and how one approaches God with this, just this haughty religious spirit that they think they're better than everybody else. And then this other person who recognizes their shortcomings and their sins and how they approach God. And then what Jesus does, he says, I'm going to show you the one that walks away justified before God or the one that walks away where God is truly pleased with. And so Jesus talks about this in Luke 18. And so he, he juxtaposes this Pharisee who is basically, it's an influential religious group within Judaism. And they were really more in love with their rules than they were about God. So they, they love their rules. They love to keep their rules. And then they wanted everybody else to follow their rules. And by following their rules, it, they thought it made them more righteous and more pious. And we're better than you. Nah, 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 right? that, that's what they thought. And so in Luke 18, Jesus tells a story. And this is what he says. And then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness. And then they scorned everyone else. And Jesus says, you have two men who went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven. And as he prayed, instead, he said, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, God, be merciful to me for I'm a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you this sinner, not the Pharisee returned home justified before God for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, what's the difference between the tax collector and the religious person? See, the tax collector, he recognized his need for God. And he was justified before God, not the religious person. And so the meaning for justified is this, is that the sinner was made right before God and God declared him as as righteous because he humbled himself before God and confessed his sin. So the one who was actually made right before God was not the religious person who thought he was better than everyone else, but actually the sinner who confessed their sins before God. See, I think we've got this mixed up thing that we've got to come to God with this religious spirit. God says, no, I don't want your religiosity. You can take that away. The people that God accepts are the ones who come with humility and say, God, I don't have it all together. I don't. I got a lot of questions, God, but I don't have it all together. I know on the outside people think I do. I try to put on this facade that I've got everything together, that my marriage is good, that my kids are doing well. I tried to really polish my Facebook post to make it look that way, right? but I don't have it all together. It's amazing to me how we try to fool God. God says, I know you, I know you're messed up. I know you don't have it together. God says, I just want you to come as you are and give those things to me and allow me to fix you. That's the difference in this story. 
God says, listen, come to me with humility. Come as you are. And when we do that, now we can come to God with true confidence. Come to God with confidence in prayer. The the confidence doesn't come because you feel like, oh, my life is all perfect. The confidence comes because you come as you are. You come with humility. The confidence comes not from yourself, but in what Jesus Christ has already accomplished for you. My confidence is not in myself and what I've done and what I've accomplished. My confidence comes from the Lord. I love it. Hebrews 4.16 says here, it says, Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So know this, have full confidence that when you come as you are, when you come with humility before the Lord, you can come with confidence knowing that God hears your prayer. Because Jesus just said, the sinner, the one who supposedly was far from God, when he humbled himself before the God, admitted that he was a sinner, God is, that's the person that God justified. That's the person that God made right. That's what God wants from us. That's where my confidence confidence is. I don't have to hide from God. I don't have to hide my sin from God because God already knows it. But when I confess it, that sin no longer has its power over my life. Somebody say amen. Okay. See, the word confidence means courageous or boldness. And here's the thinking behind this. I know God will not reject me because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. So what Jesus does is through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, he bridges the gap between God and us through his death and resurrection. My sin no longer is that barrier between me and God. Jesus destroys the barrier of sin by taking our sin upon himself. So through Jesus, our sins have been forgiven and nothing can stand in my way of getting to God. Now, does that mean I'm not, I'm, I'm going to still make mistakes? Of course we will. But now I can boldly approach a throne room of grace that we can confess our sins knowing that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I can come with that confidence. And so you come as you are, you come with humility, you come with that confidence, and then you come with thanksgiving. You come with thanksgiving. Philippians says, Paul writing to the Philippian church, he says, do not be anxious or worry about anything, but in In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So now we come before the Lord. We know he hears us. We know he receives us. We know we're not perfect. We confess our sins. God, I just need you. I need you in my life. And now we present our request. God, here's my needs. And I'm going to thank you in advance because I know you're going to be faithful to meet them. See, thanksgiving creates this heart of gratitude. It focuses me on the things that matter the most. And so what prayer does is prayer moves us away from the distractions of the world and allows us to actually hear the voice of God. Let me tell you, if you come to the Lord in prayer with that type of attitude, you will hear from the Lord. You will feel his presence and know that he's there. So what do you do? You pray to the Father and the name of of the son, Jesus and the power and the presence of the Holy spirit. Next week, we're going to start a four week series on how to have a relationship with the Holy spirit. 
I cannot wait for these messages. So you got to come because I'm not going to put them online. Okay? So you got to show up in person to hear them. Okay? Just teasing. Um, and so we pray to the Father in the name of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what God desires us to do. I love this, this quote by Erwin Lutzer. He says this. He says, A thousand voices clamor for our attention. And a thousand causes vie for our support. But until we have learned to be satisfied with the fellowship with God, until he is our rock and our fortress, we will be restless with our place in the world. Over and over again, you will see in the New Testament, Jesus gets along with the Father. Jesus goes to a solitary place. Jesus gets along with himself. And I would say, as you get alone with the Lord, take that time. If you've not practiced it already, just to get alone with the Lord and try it. Just try it. And, 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 and take your phone and throw it out the window for about 15 minutes, okay? Take away all, I would just challenge you, take away all the distractions around you. If, if you've got to wake up early, wake up early. If you're, if you're a family with young kids and you've got to get up early, get up early and try it. If it's late at night when everybody goes to bed, do it. I don't care when you do it, just do it. Just take, the, take some time and just get alone with the Lord. Whether you read through the Psalms or you just get alone and say, God, okay, I, I, I've never done this. Okay, this is different, okay? <laughs> um, I'm going to get along with you, Lord, and... I'm going to come as I am. I'm going to share my messiness with you. I'm going to share that I thought some pretty bad thoughts this week, and I'm going to confess those to you. And then I want you to start presenting your request. God, here, here's some needs in my life that I need your help. I need direction here. I guarantee it will make a world of difference in your life when you start doing that. Let me encourage those of you that are married today to start praying together. Get together with your spouse. Maybe you've never done it before. Let me challenge you. Just, it's the most intimate thing you will ever do with your spouse is pray with them. Wives, pray for your husband, whatever the needs may Maybe husbands, you pray for your, your, your wife. If you have kids, you pray for your kids. Just start simple but just start praying together. You want to see how God will draw you together? He'll do it through prayer. Watch what happens. I'm going to challenge you to start doing that. I think one of the hardest things for men is to actually pray for their wives. I thought I'd get an amen there, but I'm glad I didn't, okay? Glad I didn't, okay? I'm going to challenge you to do that. And here's what I want you to do today. There's a, there's a prayer card in the seat in front of you. You don't have to put your name on it if you don't want to. Every Tuesday we pray for all those needs that come in. And some of you here today, you've been apprehensive to sharing a request because you think it's weakness. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Sharing your weaknesses is what God wants. He wants you to become vulnerable here. 
and begin to share things that are going on in your life. And I would say to you that have never done that, take a step of faith today and fill out a prayer card and just say, here's a need in my life. Here's something I'm struggling with. Get it out there. Get it to the Lord. Watch what God does. Prayer is amazing. It does change things. It changes your heart and your life. It connects you with God. And so I'm going to encourage you to do that, to take that step, take out the prayer card and just say, God, I'm going to do this. You don't have to put your name on it. If you want to put your name on it, put your name on it, but you don't have to. Just, just say, God, here is my struggle and I need people praying with me for my struggle. And we will pray with you. We pray individually for every single prayer card that comes through. Take that step to do that. Take that step to get along with the Lord. Start that practice, that discipline in your life of getting along with the Lord and giving him your heart. And I want you to see what God begins to do. It's amazing when, it's amazing when you start praying specifically because all of a sudden something comes like, wait a minute, I prayed about that. Wow, God, you're pretty good. It's almost like surprises you sometimes. God's like, duh. Yeah. I want you to do that. So let God speak to your heart in that way, amen? Would you stand with me? We're going to close in song today. I want to pray for you. Can we give our hearts to God today and ask him just to touch our lives? Father God, we come before you today. What we see over and over and over again is Jesus, you got alone with your father. You knew that's where your strength came from, is in that relationship that you had with Father God. And I pray, Lord, that you would begin to help us to begin to take that step forward, to get alone with you, to become vulnerable before you, and give our request to you, God, where you can begin to speak to our heart, where you can begin to have access to our hearts and our lives. I pray for every need that's here, every struggle that's here today, Lord. We lay those struggles at your feet. We lay those trials at your feet. Lord, we lay our health at your feet today. We need you today, God. We lay our weaknesses at your feet today. We lay our stress at your feet today. And Lord, we know that there's a great transference that happens when we give you our request in in return, you give us your peace. And we need your peace that passes all understanding that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So thank you for the privilege that we have to come to you in prayer. Thank you for teaching us how to pray and the type of prayer and the type of person that you desire to approach you in prayer. Thank you that you do hear us today. For it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Amen.